but we are in a series called Uncommon Sense, which we're going to do this fall, and this is on the book of Proverbs in the Bible's Old Testament. Let us see if any, any of you did your homework from last week. Any of you have a dog or a cat? Looks like your dog or your cat ate your homework. All right. So you're supposed to read one chapter of Proverbs a day. Uh, you got 31 Proverbs. You got 30, whatever, around 31 days, 30 days, whatever. Hey, it's October. You'll have 31 days. So you can read. It's not October, is it? No, it's September. So you, you read, the, read the book of Proverbs. it take you a month. Really easy. All right. Just a tip for you. So. So far, nobody did their homework. Nobody remembers a question from Wednesday night. So uh, I'm not sure where to go. So we're looking at the book of Proverbs, right? And remember, Proverbs is what we call wisdom literature. And the way that you read Proverbs, just by observation, it's obvious that you've got to be careful the way that you read it. Uh, th these are not sort of these blanket guaranteed warranties, you know, from God. And if you do such and such then such and such will happen all the time, any circumstance, no matter what we're talking about. Obviously, when you read the Proverbs, that's not the overall point. The overall point is to get wisdom and to learn to make right choices in life in all kinds of areas, morally and ethically and spiritually and even physically, monetarily, all kinds of areas of practical areas of life that it touches on and is trying to help you to make good choices in life, and I'm going to use uh, Proverbs chapter 4 to talk to you this morning for just a few minutes about purpose and purpose in your life. So Proverbs chapter 4 uh, is a really um, uh, a bit of a longer proverb uh, chapter, at least the way we have it sectioned in our Bibles here, but it's all about, again, getting wisdom, getting wisdom, and you know, you look at some of the passages, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. This is from Solomon, most probably. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning. Do not forsake my teaching. I, too, was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. He taught me, and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. You know, he's He's so um, emphatic about trying to teach his children something. Again, this is most probably Solomon, a guy with a lot of experience, a guy with a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Probably wrote the book of Ecclesiastes also, which is also part of what we call wisdom literature. And I mean, he, he would be a perfect person to write such things because of the wide bandwidth of his life. Uh, the successes and all of the failures. And here he is trying to pass on wisdom to those who will listen. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her. She will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. Verse 8, cherish her. She will exalt you. Embrace her. She will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. And so wisdom personified as female here. Interesting. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Is that radio on? Oh, I thought I heard pizza 
Is, is there a radio? Oh, okay. <laughs> my ears are really good. Okay, no, it's okay. <laughs> not a problem. Listen, my son, accept what I say. And I'm not, I mean, I know they're playing horror movies in this theater, but I'm not demon-possessed yet, even though I'm hearing things, okay? Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the ways of wisdom. I lead you along straight paths, you know? He's just pushing this whole thing, get wisdom, get understanding, get wisdom, get understanding. And then in verse 20, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Powerful. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. And here's what I want you to see this morning. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Focus, focus, purpose. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. I want to talk to you about purpose using verses 25 and 26. Let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. It's our seventh year anniversary as a church. Seven years. And uh, there's a lot of things that have happened in seven years, a lot of experiences. Uh, 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 it's been quite an adventure. Uh, on September, I guess it was 16th, I think it was, 2016, uh, we launched this church here, but we didn't, we weren't here in this room. We were, I think, in number six uh, down the hall. And, and number five for the kids. And we weren't meeting on Sundays. We were meeting on Saturdays. Who was here when that happened? Oh, okay. So there's still some of you. There's a vestige of people who have survived the seven years. All right. So, But some of you, you weren't there at that time. It was Saturday mornings. And uh, we, it took us like two and a half hours to set up. And we had no stage. We had to, to use a Yiddish word, we had to schlep it all out of the you know, storage room and set it up and wires and all this stuff. And, you know, and the, but there was an excitement to it. Uh, we couldn't meet on Sunday mornings. There was a, another church that was meeting here, a French church, and there was some legal clause that they wouldn't allow any other churches to rent at the same time, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we, we started on Saturday mornings. We said, you know what? We're crazy enough to try Saturday mornings. No, we're not Seventh-day Adventists. No, it's not because the pastors of Jewish heritage. It's just because it's available. So we said, okay, we'll do Saturday mornings, you know. And it was, it was so exciting, and it was so fresh. And uh, they tell you, you know, when you, when you plant uh, a church, and uh, at that time, our name wasn't even the same. The church was a different name. Any of you remember the name? Yeah, it was City Reach Brossard. And just for, just for those of you who don't know, City Reach was a, a church planting network from the U.S. with explosive growth around the United States, and they wanted to come into Canada. 
and they had a model and a structure where, you know, the, all the churches are kind of under their umbrella and so on. And, and so they connected with our fellowship, the PAOC, uh, and, uh, and, you know, there was a really nice relationship and handshake. And so I was going to be one of the Canadian city reach churches here in the province of Quebec and well, it was exciting and all of these things. And so, and so they tell you, you know, when you, when you start your church, you, what, what's going to happen is you're going to have your launch and you're going to have all these people who you launch with and you train them before you launch and you work with them and then you launch your church and you're going to have your launch. And we're telling you now that a couple of things are going to happen uh, pretty quickly. Number one, between your launch and your next service, half the people are going to leave. <laughs> and then between your next service and about the next year, all of your launch team is going to leave. We're just telling you that's the way that it works when you plant a church. And so sure enough, we launched on September the 16th, 2016 with 131 people who came to the first service. And then the next week, we had 68 people, about half. <laughs> and then, and then you know, you start running church, and it's exciting, and you, you, know, you do your thing. And we had spent, my wife and I had spent the better part of three decades in Evangel Pentecostal Church in downtown Montreal, where some of you are from. And, uh, and so we just got to a point where we felt like, you know, uh, we've got to, we're not being stretched. We've got to do something else. We've got to reach people. Why not? try something crazy even where we live here in the South Shore. And so that's why we did it. Took a big leap of faith. It's exciting and all these things. And lo and behold, what the church planting people said came true. You know, within the first year, every single person on that original launch team left except one family. I won't embarrass the one family that's still here. But every single person who we trained and everything and who helped us out, they all left. And it was, you know, some for whatever reasons, and you, know, and you say, oh my goodness, this is hard. This is hard. Starting a new church and planting a new church is hard. You say, man, what's going on? This is, this is some uh, heavy stuff. And, and then, uh, and, uh, at the, even at the beginning, we had this purpose, this purpose statement, and it's still the same today. And you remember the proverb talks about focus. And this is the reason why we exist as a church, to reach the one who is far from God so that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus. You say, well, you only want to reach one person. No. Uh, let me challenge you a little bit. If you're a, if you're a Christian in this room, uh, uh, you profess to be one, let me ask you the question, have you ever made a disciple of one person in your life? It's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, you got action words there, Matthew 28. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them, and so on. So my question to you, Christ follower in the room, is have you done this? This is why we talk about reaching the one. If, if you would seriously ask yourself the question, I guarantee you for most Christ followers today, in our part of the world, the answer is zero. Or I don't know. I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if because of me someone is in the kingdom. I don't know if because of me somebody got saved. I will use that term. The, the light switch of faith went on. They became a follower of Jesus. Have you ever made a disciple of someone? 
person was not a follower of Jesus, and now because of your influence personally in their life, they are now a follower of Jesus. Have you reached the one? A passionate follower of Jesus reaches the one. See? How do you know if you're passionate? It's not because, well, I do all kinds of churchy things. I come to church. I give money. I serve. I volunteer. I do all of these things. So that's how I know I'm a Christian. No, have you led someone to Christ in your life? Have you made a disciple? This is the mark of a passionate follower of Jesus, just as a little challenge for you. And so we, we kept on going and have seen all kinds of challenges and all kinds of uh, uh, obstacles along the way in this journey. We had uh, a, a string of, of uh, very difficult uh, moments in the lives of families where they lost loved ones, and very difficult on the families themselves. Obviously, some of them are in the room today. Very, very difficult and very hard on a church when you pray and when you believe, and you know, we sang about it this morning, and you believe that God can do things and God can do the miraculous, and you do not see it happen, and you lose people and people die, and you see the, 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 the trauma uh, that families are still living with, and you see it happen, and it is hard on, a, on any church, but especially on a new church. And we went through those moments uh, together, and you know, and you keep going, and you keep going, and then we said, uh, and I'm mixing some of the timeline here, but then we said, you know, this Saturday morning thing, this is this gig is this gig is hard gig, <laughs> because people say the first question that they say is, how come you meet on Saturday? <laughs> you know, what are you, you Seventh Day Adventist? You Messianic? Like what's? I don't understand. Most churches meet on Sunday. Oh, I would come to your church if you met on Sunday and all of this. And we said, you know what? You know what we need to do? We need to meet on Sunday. We can't meet on Sunday here. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to leave. And they, they opened up the what's now called the Escad Hotel. It used to be called the Alt Plus Hotel. Remember? Some of you were here when that happened. And we literally, we, we ended the service. And we took all the gear, put it in a car, walked it down the sidewalk and brought it over to the hotel. She said, we're going to meet in the hotel Sunday mornings. So we had a six-month lease with this brand new, posh, nice hotel, and we met there for six months. And when we left the, the movie theater, Cineplex called me back and said, oh, we're so sad you left. I said, well, me too. I'm sad we, we left, but uh, we had to leave. We, we, the Sunday, the, we want to try Sunday. And so they said, oh, uh, you, we, we want you to come back. I said, well, we can't come back. You told us that uh, there's a legal thing. And they said, uh, we checked on that. There is no legal thing. I said, OK, thanks for telling me. So they said, we, we, we really want you to come back. We can make this whole thing work. We're going to have two churches here. You get the French church on one side. We're going to put you on the other side. What do you think? What do you think? And so we, so we commiserated, my wife, Janet, and I. And she's, she's a smart one in the couple. And she said, hmm. She said, let's do a walkthrough here. And. Uh, on, a, on another note, uh, you know what we need? We need a stage. What do you mean we need a stage? She said we got to get a stage here. It'll change everything if you get a stage. None of this two and a half hour setup and running these cables all over the place and the people are burning out. Forget about that. We need a stage. Tell them we need a stage. So and there's a, there, we found a church out, out in the West Island 
runs in a cineplex, has a stage. So we went there, we cased out the joint, we talked to the guy, we saw, asked him all the questions, found out everything, everything. We said, we're buying a stage, that's it. So we talked to cineplex, we said, okay, we want this, 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 and we want a stage, permanent. Got to stay here, right in the movie theater. Cineplex says, okay, you got a deal. So he said, all right, we're coming back. Now, I need to tell you in the, in the background, and I don't mention them too, too often, uh, but there is a very large church in Toronto, a uh, church on the Queensway. Uh, pastor Billy Richards is the lead pastor, and Roger Berg, the executive pastor, and that church has supported us since before the launch, as if we were their own. They didn't know us from Adam, I mean, and they've supported us since before the launch. I just had lunch with Roger uh, a few days ago, and it's because of Church on the Queensway that we have this stage. Uh, it's because of Church on the Queensway that the kids have those beautiful placate panels outside. It's because of Church on the Queensway that we've done many of the larger outreaches. A church our size, less than 100 people in attendance on a Sunday morning, reaching three, 400 people in these huge events and school bag giveaways and toy giveaways and all that, is because of their support. So I need to mention them, kind of the wind beneath our wings. And so we said, hey, we're going to get the stage. We got the stage. We got in. We, and, and, then, and then we... Then we ran into this thing, after getting some momentum, starts with a C. No, don't say that. Yeah, then we ran into COVID, right? Now, you folks, you probably, I think you probably understand it, but, but people who run churches, folks, you are talking about the worst possible thing that could happen to churches is to tell them, you cannot meet. The church, the legacy model of the church is gathering people together in the same place. That's the way the church has been for 2,000 years. It is an irreplaceable, powerful reality. There's something about getting people together in the same place, in the same room, gathering around something. Today happens to be uh, the beginning. Yesterday was the sort of celebration. But in Judaism, it's a big deal. It's called Rosh Hashanah. It's the new year in Judaism. And we have some really nice treats for everybody outside uh, when we finish the service in about 10 minutes, we're going to end early so you all can go out. We have some really nice bread that they only make that kind of bread once a year. We had to go to Montreal to get it. I said, oh, this would be, this would be a tantalizing treat for people who come, who actually decide to come in person. I'm sorry for those of you online, you can't taste it through the wires and through the internet, but the people here can taste it. And so Rosh Hashanah, back in the Old Testament, this, was a, this was a, a, wasn't the new year back then. It was a wake-up call. It was called the Festival of Trumpets in Leviticus chapter 23. I'll put the verse on the screen. And, and God told them, you, on the first day of the seventh month, coincides to about our time, you have to have this gathering of people. You have to have this sacred assembly, and you got to blow this, this horn. And they have a whole way of doing it now do no regular work, and present a food offering to the Lord. The idea was, wake up, and you gather people together. Remember, have a, 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 a commemorate, have a sacred assembly. You call people together. So COVID is the antithesis 
of the model of calling people together, Jesus said, I will build my church, it's my gathering, my uh, group of people, my meeting, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So COVID comes, and what does COVID do? <laughs> close, uh, close all the church buildings. Nobody can meet. So you have to say, oh, man, that's a, that's a real hurdle. How do, we, how do we fix that? How do we overcome that? How do we, okay, we got to get better on technology. We got to make sure this is running. We got to make sure this is running. Is this going to kill the church? Guess what, folks? It didn't kill the church. We, and we didn't take out any loan from the government either. We didn't say, we need money. We need the church. We need loan us money. We're not going to survive. We're going to die. In fact, folks, COVID financially speaking, just being very transparent with you this morning, our revenue increased during COVID. People were faithful. Uh, the theater was very gracious to us. And so we kept going and kept going and kept going. Focus, focus. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your eyes look straight ahead. And so then uh, COVID starts to dissipate and you know, you open a little bit, and then you close, and the government this, and the government that. You open, you close, you open, you close, you open, you close, and then finally, you start running. Well, guess what, folks? COVID changed the mentality of people who are part of churches, and this is seen all across the board. People realized a couple of things. People who came to an assembly and were part of a church because they thought, well, you're supposed to do this, and if you don't do this, maybe something bad's going to happen to you. So even if you're an hour late for church, get the kids in the car and get to church and just do your thing. Be there because if you're not there, maybe something's going to happen to you. You just, you have to be there. You have to go. You have to be a part of it. And that's it. And it's important and all of that. And people said to themselves after COVID, said, wow, nothing bad happened to me for two years. Hmm, maybe I'll sleep in a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe this whole thing of you better come, you better come is not so important after all. Maybe, maybe the, you know, maybe there's other ways. Maybe we, blah, blah, blah. and it gives people, gave people a reason to rethink the reason why they assemble and why they gather. Why do I do this? Why do I come every week? Why do I need to do this? And you can see people rethinking this because now people will come to a, to a church gathering, you know, maybe 15, 20 times a year. And they'll say, oh yeah, this is my church. I'm a part of this church. I'm a member of this church. I'm active in this church. And you know you're only going to see them, you know, 15, 10, 15 times out of 52. And so it's changed that that's a reality that is now is now taking place. Even the ways that people volunteer in their church and serve in their church has changed quite a bit. And COVID has done that in a good way or in a bad way. It's up to you. But that's the reality that we face. And so you keep going and you keep persevering and you keep looking forward because you have a goal. Let your eyes look straight ahead in your own lives. What is the purpose? What is the reason that you are here? Why do you do what you do? What is the purpose of it all? And this is the question that the writer of the Proverbs is trying to get his audience 
to understand, are your eyes fixed toward a goal? Are you looking straight ahead at that goal? Are you keeping your thoughts and your paths toward that goal? Are you steadfast in all of your ways? Or are you turning to the left? And are you turning to the right? Uh, or are you focused? And if you have no focus, and if you have no goal, and if you have no purpose, I'm here to tell you that your purpose is found somewhere in here. If you are a Christ follower, this is the purpose of the Christ follower. This is the purpose of the church. Go and make disciples of all nations. You are here, if you're a Christ follower, as a representative of Jesus himself. You are to be active doing that. Folks, this church was not planted to be a sort of a, well, you know, it's, a, it's kind of like a get, get good Bible teaching or something, or, you know, it's nice, it's just us, it's cool, it's in a movie theater, and da, da, da. that's not why we started this church, folks. And, I mean, you know how many, how many buildings, for example, are open in the city of Montreal, church buildings for sale? You know how many of them? I don't want any church building in the city of Montreal. If a church building opens up and it's here in our roundabout area, then I would maybe be interested because, folks, the, the need is overwhelming. The vast majority, the vast percentage of people in this province and in the, you know, the South Shore English English uh, pool of people, of which there are tens of tens of thousands of people, are not followers of Jesus. And this is why we do what we do. And your life, if you're a Christ follower, is founded somewhere in that purpose. How's it going to look for you? Well, it's different for each individual person. But if, that, if, if you make him your savior and you make him your God, that is your M.O., him. Now, some people, it's like, well, I don't need that. I have my own goals and I have my own purpose and I have my own this and my own that. And that's all fine and dandy. But if the scripture is correct, all of those things will dissipate into nothing because they are temporary. But the goal of Jesus and knowing him and telling people about him is eternal. It is a goal that never changes, never fades away, and one day you'll meet him face to face in eternity. The, the, the question for you that I leave with you today, what is your purpose? And are you fixed on that goal to a point where whatever challenge comes into your life Whatever obstacle comes into your life, whatever hurdle comes into your life, you're saying, I'm not looking to the left, I'm not looking to the right, but I am going to be steadfast in that goal. And understand me, your goal may not have overtones of spirituality. You may say to yourself, my goal is to finish this education here so I can reach this position in this area and have this scope of influence and so on in my life. That is not an unspiritual goal, folks, because as long as you are commiserating with people, then whatever your goal is, you will have an influence on people and you will have an opportunity to spread Jesus to those people. So I'm not trying to diminish goals that you might think of, oh, well, that's not a religious goal. Oh, there's, there's spirituality can be found in anything, folks. 
So what is the purpose of your life? What is the goal that you have? What are you looking forward to? And how are you going to use that to be an influence for your Savior? That is my challenge to you this morning. Would you stand with me, please, as we finish up today? And then we are going to let you go nice and early because in the hallway, we have some really nice treats that are going to go so nice with your coffee and tea, and you will have plenty of time to talk to one another. So I don't want you to run out. Don't use it as an excuse to, even if you're brand new, fine, you'll get to know somebody. Our church is very friendly, okay? We're a little strange, but we're really friendly people, okay? So you'll get to know people, and I'm, I'm quitting early just to give you that extra time so nobody is stressed trying to leave this morning before whatever horror movie is playing in the theater today. It's a murder mystery, by the way. It's not a horror movie. Father, I thank you for each person who's here today. And I pray, God, that this practical uh, message from the Proverbs about a purpose and a goal and focus would resonate in the hearts of people uh, young people, seniors, everyone in between, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you would help us to uh, challenge our own selves and to uh, maybe remove some of the clutter and some of the left and rightness uh, that may be happening in our lives that we may look straight ahead to whatever it is. Lord, there are people in here with big dreams and big visions and big goals that maybe they haven't told a soul because they're maybe afraid that someone's going to uh, uh, laugh at them or someone's going to mock it or make fun of it, say, you can't do that. There's no way you'd be able to do that. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you can, you can do exceedingly beyond and above what we could think or imagine through your grace and through your power active within us. So I pray, Lord, you would encourage people and lift people up to pursue, to pursue and above all things, to put you at the center of it, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everyone. Enjoy outside in the corridor. Take your time. Your kids are still over in City Kids. They'll be quite all right. They're just, just in the next theater there. So enjoy yourselves. God bless you, everyone.